Uh, take your Bibles. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I was telling my wife when she asked me how long class would be that um, there was this great restaurant in Colorado. So we were pretty fortunate there. We lived in a small town, but it was a resort town, so it had some pretty amazing restaurants. It had an Italian restaurant that did dessert right. I don't know if you've ever gotten to the end of a really satisfying meal at a restaurant and thought, I would like a little dessert. And then you open up the dessert menu or you saw a dessert come out and all the desserts were like $8 and as big as your head. You ever seen those? They're like, here's a piece of cake. It's really half the cake, but it's a piece of cake, right? Or it's like an ice cream sundae and it's this big. So we had this restaurant in Steamboat that did dessert right and all their desserts were $2. And they were about this big. Just a little portion. So they had some cheesecake, they had some regular cake, they had, but it was just a sliver, and it was just enough to finish the meal. Okay, I don't think any of us needs another meal this morning. Right? What we've already had has been tremendous, so I'm just going to try to go $2 dessert. Is everyone okay with that? <laughs> and we'll take it home. Great. Encouragement. We've been talking about encouragement. And why do we need encouragement? Obviously because uh, life can be frustrating and hard and confusing. Um, and some of us are pretty good at holding it in, aren't we? But we all need encouragement. We need people who will step into our lives and um, encourage us when it's rough and will also challenge us when we're off track. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Um, and sometimes they'll just push us a little. Right? Spur one another. I love that word in Hebrews 10, I think it is, to, to provoke one another. It's the word for a spur. Some of us need spurred sometimes to love and good works. So that's what we've been talking about, encouragement. God's word changes me through me. It can change others too. But we talked last week about the types of words that we use. That we use gospel words. And we're just talking about salvation and about Jesus. And, and the reality is, right, the gospel it goes through everything that we talk about, but at times it's very specific to uh, how to have your sins forgiven, eternal life, and, and to know what Jesus did in your place. And so we should be courageous to speak those words, uh, to speak wise words to one another. Sometimes those are directly from God's word. Sometimes those are crafted by experience in life, right? Um, I use the example of uh, someone who's been through raising small children, and right now Timothy's in this runaway stage. You know, he gives you the look, <laughs> and he's fast, and he can climb, and uh, we tried to have uh, a brief dinner out on Friday night to, right before we went shopping at the outlets. That was not successful, so he didn't want to sit still, and there weren't enough tables, and then Colleen was following him, so I could eat, and then I was following him, so she could eat, and, and then all you moms that have been through that are like, uh-huh. I love talking to, to moms who have been through stages of life who go, it'll be okay. You'll make it. God will help you. You know, get some sleep. Wise words. Um, sometimes you share those words financially with people. Sometimes you share them relationally. Um, there's, sometimes you share them about a job decision or a choice. God's called us to have those conversations. And then we did hit at the end praying words. Sometimes we can think the most important words that are the words that we speak to someone. 
But I really appreciated uh, Patrick's sharing with us again from God's word the importance of fasting and prayer. And it's something we've talked about here, but um, something that needs to be more than just talk, isn't it? That it's actually, we realize that one of the best things we can do for Paul and Laura is pray for them. Is to pray for their marriage, is to pray for their children, is to pray for God's leading in their life. Is to pray that they would continue in what's been started. So not to view those as secondary things, but really to use those words. So how do we say what we say? Speak the truth in love. What does that look like? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles open there, it's also on the screen. Examples from the life of Paul. I don't know about you, but no matter how many times I read these verses, I tend to think of Paul as this strong, dynamic person. And then I read stuff like this. And I was with you, Paul says, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I do not imagine Paul like that. But it's how he was. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. I wasn't this impressive speaker. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. So you wouldn't become a folksite, right? That was great. But in the power of God. So how should we speak? How should we be okay speaking? By the way, it's a quick class, so we talk to each other a little. If you did in the middle of Danny's preaching, it would probably seem a little weird, but if you don't do it now, then I'm just going to feel weird. How should we speak if we follow this example? Or what should be okay when we're speaking to one another? It's okay to be afraid. You say, well, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. That's true. But we feel it, don't we? Right? I think if you talk to Danny and to Patrick and they, they preach almost every Sunday, they would, be, they would honestly tell you that Sunday after Sunday they actually feel a bit of fear, a bit of anxiety, a bit of butterflies, if you want to say it that way. Right? When Gina teaches in our kids' classes or like, and, and I think we would all tell you it's actually a good thing. If we were like, ooh, I got something really good today. <laughs> and by the way, that should be a warning to us if we think, Oh, I got what Nick needs to hear. There, there ought to be a little hesitation in our souls. That's not a bad thing. It shouldn't stop us, but it's not a bad thing. What else? Okay, why do you say vulnerability? Yeah, there's risk. When, whenever you have... Now, I think probably if you're just having a, an encouraging conversation like in the sense of comforting or just, you know, then those are less risky, right? But if you're having a, a direct conversation or a, a, at all a confrontational conversation, there's risk. What else? What else should we feel as we speak? Or it's okay if we feel. Stephen? Yeah. Right. I don't have to have, like, the perfect way to say it. Or just the right words. Right. In demonstration of the spirit and power. There's, there's a good thing, by the way, that happens with all this, right? Where, where does a person's faith rest? In Christ. In, in God's work, not in 
well, well, somebody who's my friend just said just the right thing, and I just really trust everything they say. We don't want that. Not good. So it's okay to feel weak. But that's not a good reason either to not speak. Well, I just feel, I just feel too weak to say that. Or, or um, I'm just, I don't feel like I was very successful as a parent, so I can't speak into a parent's life. Or my, my, my finances aren't in an exceedingly strong place, so I, I, I feel weak in that area, so I'm just going to skip this conversation that I think God wants me to have. Right? How else should we speak? Oh, yeah. There's a little stage fright. I think some of us have felt that, even if it's not on a stage. Right? Sometimes it's, it's almost less scary to stand up here than to sit across from someone at a table. Acts 20. If you want to turn there, you can. It'll also be up on the screen. I, I, there's some uh, dot, dot, dots in here, so some ellipses. Um, so if you want to see everything that's there, I just ran out of screen space. How should we speak? Paul says this about his speaking to the churches. Acts 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. By the way, who was probably there at F- from Ephesus? Probably Timothy, right? He came up a few times this morning. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. How did Paul speak to these people? Or some things we learn from these verses. Well, first of all, what did his speaking line up with? His life. So, so how you live does matter. Right? Your words and your actions lining up. But what do we see about his speaking to these people? Yeah, he spoke out of his life and what God had done in and through him and taught him. Absolutely. What else? Paul? Yeah, he spoke with courage, with boldness. He didn't back down. Some of us do a lot of shrinking, right? And I hope out of this series you'll go, I, I, there are some times I, do, I need to not shrink back. I just, I just need to talk. Trust the Lord in that. Was he doing it with just full gusto? What does he say was accompanying his speaking? Humility. Can't you tell that difference when someone's speaking to you? About, especially about your life or about things that are personal? Doesn't humility go a long way? Hey, I don't even know if this is what you need to hear at the moment, but I just, I feel like I should say something to you about. Hey, this is something God's taught me. I don't know if this will help you at all, but it really helped me. Instead of, hey, I've been watching your life. I got some ideas. I think I know a couple things you need to hear. I loved it when I uh, was youth pastoring um, college students who would come back from college after their freshman or sophomore year. And they would come to me with, with great sincerity and say, Pastor Matt, God, God has been teaching me some things. 
And at the next teen fellowship, I would really like to talk to those teens. <laughs> no, no, and no again. And they'd be like, well, what can I do? I was like, there's a three-year-old class you could teach. Tell them about Jesus. And that wasn't because I didn't appreciate it or that it might not have been valuable. I was just like, that's going to come with some pride right there. It's going to come. And there were times we did, but just humility. What else should mark our speech? Yeah. Tears and trials. Where did Paul speak to these people? Where did he encourage them with his words? Challenge them. Do you do it publicly? Yeah, Paul had a public role, so he was up in front often. But is that the only place that he spoke to people? No, house to house. It was everywhere. Where he had opportunity. Arby's to Arby's, right? Over dinner together. While you're at the gym. Wherever God has you. God hasn't isolated the sharing of his word up here. It's just all the time. So, five quick principles. I promise they'll be quick for speaking. Remember the gospel when you speak. What are the parts of the gospel of utmost importance? It's a big question, but throw out some things that are included when we say remember the gospel. There's two of them up there. You can cheat. I mean, you can use those if you want. Grace, thank you, Gideon. Repentance, faith, love. Is the law part of the gospel? Shows us our need. What does the law not do? Doesn't save and it doesn't change. It doesn't sanctify. Read Galatians. Now that you've been saved by grace through faith, do you think you're going to grow by the works of the law? So when you're encouraging someone, it's not just let me give you a list of things to do. This will help you. Right? We want to bring them back to Jesus. We want, we want to acknowledge our sin, but not to get a list to fix it. To get Jesus and his truth and his grace. So what we're actually helping people with is to have more faith and, and to, to take advantage of God's grace. To believe what God says and to follow him. Right? We're not trying to um, encourage with some sort of self-help that we can give people. Be specific as you encourage. Matthew 10 talks about how specifically God knows you. Can I just encourage you as you encourage others to get to know them specifically? The, the book actually used an illustration of a guy having a conversation with his friend and saying, how did your week go? And his friend said, Oh man, it was a busy week. Work was, you know, everything was really busy and the end of the week was really hard. And then in the conversation, the guy said, oh, that's great, my week was hard too. And like went on to talk about his life. What should you do at that moment as an encourager? Don't ask a question. What was so hard? Dig in to learn specifically where people are so you can encourage them. Listen. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. 
Be specific in your encouragement. Three, be humble. We've already kind of talked about this. But approach these situations with humility. I thought this was an interesting play out of speaking to someone. It's actually an illustration of getting it all wrong. Have you ever got it all wrong? By the way, this will happen. Right? Don't let it stop you, but learn from it. Here's the conversation. How did Bible study go last night? The other person says, I found it a real struggle, to be honest. Well, it was a bit hard, wasn't it? Still, we need to keep at it, don't we? Let's not neglect to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, as Hebrews says. I tend to find preparing ahead and answering the questions does wonders for my appreciation. Have you tried doing that? Uh, No, not much recently. Well, did you pray for understanding before the group started? That's also really helpful. Reading a commentary is valuable as well, which reminds me, did you ever listen to that DVD I lent you? Adding Pazang to your Bible gang? It's the literal wording from the example. I didn't make that up. Had some great examples, or had some great songs for helping the group come alive, didn't it? Then he breaks into a little chorus, I won't do that to you. And then the other person says this, actually my wife just moved out. Be humble. Who knows everything in all wisdom and always has the right answer? God does. As I often try to remind myself, there is a God and I am not him. Nor are you. So as you encourage, be humble. Come to, a, come to a situation not assuming that you have the right answer or even know the whole story. Some of us who are quick to judge, we get this wrong a lot. Deal with important issues. I prayed this in Paul's, in my prayer for Paul. Seek first God's kingdom. That means sometimes when you're encouraging someone, you're not going to say what they expect. Right? So someone may come to you and say, hey, we're looking at this house. It's, it's so much better, it's so much bigger, it's, so much, it's such a better house for our family. Check it out. And you may say something like, is, what's, what's that going to take from you to, to own that house? Is, is that going to require another job or is that going to require too much of you? That's going to pull you away from what God wants you to do? They didn't come to you expecting you to say that. But, but encouragement is about the big, the big picture it doesn't mean you're never talking about the little stuff, right? But, but keep the big stuff in mind. God's kingdom and his work and what he's called you to do and, and what your life is about, right? And last one, there is a time for silence. Ecclesiastes 3 says that, a time just to be quiet. Why, why would it be important to be quiet? So you can listen, so you can... F- Better understand the situation. Why else? That's often true, isn't it? I think probably the best, things Job, the best thing Job's friends did for him was when they sat there in silence for a while. After that, it all went downhill for a while. <laughs> Why else would you be silent? There's one more big reason. Maybe it's, maybe it's the most helpful thing, just to be present. Hey, I'm here for you. This happens a lot in hospitals and emergency rooms, doesn't it? You walk in, you give someone a hug, you get the quick details of what's going on and just say, hey, I just love you and I'm here for you. God loves you. You just sit there for a while and it's good. Why else would it be important to be silent? This goes along with the humility idea. 
right because there are moments where you really don't know what to say. So be quiet. Don't, don't create something or force something. It's okay to be silent. And in contrast to that, it's time to speak up. So the whole series is about. But I just want to encourage us all to encourage each other. Lord, thank you for your word. Hope that our uh, $2 dessert was helpful to each of our souls. And Lord, we pray this, for this group this week, for myself, that you would bring one or two or three or maybe more, but at least one person across our path, one situation where we can put this into practice, that you would help our hearts to be tender, our minds to be more and more filled with your truth, that we would be walking with the Spirit so that when he prompts us, we would be ready to speak. And, and Lord, I pray for those of us who speak readily, that we would learn humility and we would learn to be silent. And we pray for those for whom silence is a strength, that you would strengthen their hearts to speak, to speak the gospel to someone who needs to hear it, to speak wise words where they're needed, and to pray for one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.